What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. Returning our attention to Sacramento now, where for three years the sheriff has been trying to expand the jail, but the community is pushing back and has been pushing back. It's a three-year grassroots campaign that uh, many of us have been watching very uh, closely. We are joined this morning by Katie Valenzuela, the Sacramento City Council Member for District 4, which includes downtown Sacramento. Good morning, Katie. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. We're also joined, I'm so excited to have you on the new show, uh, Flo Jean Coffer, the Senior Director of Policy at Public Health Advocates. She's an epidemiologist who is focused on public health prevention and restorative justice initiatives in California. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. When your name came up, I told the producer, I was like, absolutely. <laughs> Let's get her on the show. Um, always enjoyed talking to you at Upfront. Now, the two of you uh, co-authored uh, an opinion in the SAC B called Sacramento County Wants to Expand Its Troubled Downtown Jail. That's a terrible idea. Katie Valenzuela, I'll start with you. Why is that a terrible idea? Well, the jail is located in the heart of downtown Sacramento, and in 2018 was the subject of a federal consent decree in a lawsuit known as the Mays v. Sacramento County. Essentially, the jail downtown has horrific conditions, but what our op-ed was really pointing to were the upstream drivers of those conditions. We have a startling percentage of people in this jail diagnosed mental illness. Um, it's estimated that about half of the folks being admitted for misdemeanors are unhoused. Um, this is a jail that is overcrowded because we as a county are failing to address the drivers of crime as we defined it here in Sacramento. So this is really, I think, an opportunity for us to, as we are under consent decree, to decrease the jail population because of dangerous overcrowding, the inability of doctors to see patients, the inability of patients to get care. There's a lot of reasons why reform is needed at the jail, but with the amount of money that they have available, we're fighting for that money to go into community care, to go into prevention, and to go into the types of services that would reduce the jail population in a holistic and really humane and evidence-based way. Flojan, I'm I'm wondering if you could please talk a little bit about the Mays versus Sacramento County uh, lawsuit and the consent decree. What what were the what was put forth in terms of the conditions in the jail, the treatment of folks that were incarcerated, et cetera, in the lawsuit, and what was supposed to happen to correct it that the sheriff is now trying to correct with the larger jail? Yeah. So. I first want to give credit to, um, you know, the Disability Rights California because they were the ones who really brought the lawsuit and, and raised some of the issues with the conditions within the jail. Um, and so they are the, the chief plaintiff on um, in that case. But the the or leading the charge with some of the actual um, folks who were who were incarcerated. Um, but the major challenges that were lifted up were the fact that people who have especially, you know, health conditions and disabilities were not able to be um, cared for in an appropriate way. Um, and part of that was due to the overcrowding in the jail facilities, that they, they lacked both the, the facilities and the infrastructure to be able to address certain people, especially people who were in wheelchairs and had mobility issues, et cetera, but also that the crowding was creating conditions that were unsafe, not just for folks with disabilities, but generally for the, the population of folks in the jail. And so they were very clear in the agreement that 
a, a key way to be able to meet the consent decree was to decrease the jail population. And so this is an example of people hearing what they want to hear because what they've heard is, oh, we're overcrowded, we should build more facilities. <laughs> and that is not the major message that came out from the consent decree. And not just hearing what they want to hear, but being really tone deaf. I was reading, uh, it's called the Davis Vanguard as I was prepping for, for this interview yeah. and the Justice to Jobs Coalition um, you know, put, put forth a report. The Board of Supervisors, and I'll turn this to you, Councilmember Van Lesswella, they've been, the Board of Supervisors has been telling the sheriff no for three years, correct? Yes, yes. Every time this has come up, thankfully, they have they have decided not to. But that's because of community members. And and I'll ask, you know, either of you that wants to respond. So there's a, this this is going before the Board of Supervisors again on December 7th. I know community is mobilizing. I want to also shout out, uh, of course, shamelessly anti-police terror Sacramento, but also decarcerate Sacramento. I mean, lots of, of grassroots groups have been working on this, including the folks that you mentioned. What do you all think the, the Board of Supes are going to do this time? Do you think that they're going to hang tough or is there concern that they may they may waver and allow this to move forward uh council member Venezuela and then Flojan. yeah it's you know there's a practical reality here that even if they expand the jail they still won't have enough space as dr flo was saying there's a massive decline in population that will be needed regardless if they move forward so i am seeing business groups joining the chorus to say look if you're going to have to release hundreds of people potentially a thousand people we need reentry support we need housing we need mental health services we need the type of robust programming so that those folks have the support they need as they're exiting the jail and i believe just from a practical perspective as a fellow local elected at the city level that you can't really do both um that if you're going to invest hundreds of millions in a jail facility, you won't have the resources to support reentry and you won't have the resources to do prevention. So I do hope that they will be consistent. And I know that's been the ask of decarcerate is to be consistent. When they turned down this proposal right as I was coming into office, I know I called several supervisors and they are the, I mean, the relationship between the board and the sheriff has been pretty acrimonious. You know, they don't really get along. The sheriff is independently elected in Sacramento County and there's been conflict. So I'm hopeful that reason will prevail because in the end, we're the ones who are getting these calls. I'm not getting a call saying, yay, somebody hurt me or somebody I know and they got arrested. I'm getting calls saying, why the heck does this keep happening? And so people want prevention, as your previous caller was saying, and I really hope that the supervisors will remain strong and consistent in what they've said in the past on this topic. I'm going to start calling you Dr. Flo, too. Dr. Flo, anything you want to add to that? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I mean, this is why we need, you know, elected officials like Katie, because we need people who understand that this is a public health issue um, and and who see beyond just a reactionary model for how we handle things. Um, and so that's why I was so, you know, happy to accept the the invitation to co-author this when, when she reached out, because I was like, yes, this is a public health issue. And so often we don't lift that up in the context of like, people's lives and people's health and well-being is impacted by these systems. Um, I'm really, you know, uh, you know, maybe a little bit Pollyanna-ish in my optimism that we will get a third rejection of this proposal. But I'm also concerned about the fact that the proposal just will not die um, because how many times we have to tell you no and you keep coming back with the same proposal and we keep giving the exact same responses. And also we're having an election. And if the composition of the Board of Supervisors changes, 
no, the no may not be as strong. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm, I'm deeply concerned about the fact that this proposal still has life um, and the, the just the dollar amount of investment that's being proposed. As, as Katie mentioned, you know, we also could potentially spend those dollars in another place and actually have better outcomes. And I think that's the part that I really want to impress upon people is like we could spend the exact same amount of money and do better by people. And I hope that we are able to do that. Yeah, I, I mean, I will say that that we in, here in Alameda County look to y'all with a little bit of envy because our board of supervisors here they just give the share whatever you know whatever whatever you wanted, you know, forty mm. murders uh, or forty deaths inside. Well, I call them murders uh, for you know uh, deaths inside of of Santa Rita Jail since two thousand fourteen, and they did millions on top of millions on top of millions uh, to expand mental health crisis. So good on your board of supervisors for hanging tough. Uh, Councilmember Valenzuela, last question, and this is for you. This is a board of supervisors um, decision. What can City Council do? Um, to continue to support community? And, and do you have other colleagues that you sit with on the dais that are joining in the fight to say no? I am, I'm not aware of anybody else who's saying no. I am the only one who represents mm. downtown besides the mayor. I do think that what I'm trying to impress upon them is the stories that we hear. Um, because the jail is in my district, I get a lot of heartbreaking emails. I got one just this week from a father of someone in the jail who ended up there. He believes because of mental health crisis, whose son is really not doing well. Um, He is falling through these horrific cracks in the system. And he reached out to us to say, please, you you have to help me. Someone's got to do something. And I send those to the supervisors every time I get them to say, look, you know, this this isn't working. And, and I hope more than anything, we've been consistent, I think, as the mayor and I have been very consistent. We can't keep doing what we've been doing. It's not working. You know, I'm getting the calls from the senior housing across the street when we dump people at one in the morning with no services, no bathrooms, no housing. I get the calls from the downtown businesses who are like, what the heck are you doing? I hope that reason will prevail because I'm, everyone thinks that we're these ideologues. And I always say, no, I'm, I'm based in research. I'm based in best practices. Right. Like this doesn't make That's... sense. And so I think I'm hopeful that our voices will carry through. And for me, I think using the platform that I've been granted with this position, bringing with voices like Dr. Flo's and others to really lift up that cause. I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful that that will have an impression, but in the end it is their decision, but I hope they'll do what's best for all of us. Well, Councilmember Velasquez, thank you for standing strong, even though you were standing alone. And I just jumped up and down a little bit because the last guest I was speaking to, I was screaming about my frustration that electeds do not use data to drive these decisions <laughs> because if they were utilizing data, they would stop spending millions of dollars on police because the data show that doesn't reduce so-called crime. Okay. Thank you both so much for coming on the show. Council Member Velas, well, I hope to have you back. Dr. Flo, you too on the new show. Um, and we will be, be watching on December 7th. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fortnite 5. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.